the Kron Chong Devils with the song Beat Girl. It's from the album The Surf and Sounds of the Kron Chong Devils that appears on this episode of the podcast with their permission. You can find them on Facebook by just looking them up on Facebook or go to kronchongdevils.bandcamp.com That's spelled K-R-O-N-T-J-O-N-G and then devils.bandcamp.com or follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net that's the website for the podcast monster kid radio where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear i'd like to welcome you to the show i am your host writer producer Derek m cook i'm excited because i've got somebody on the show that has never been on the show before a guy by the name of jonathan malcolm lampley he's a teacher he's a writer and he's a Vincent Price fan, and he put all of this together to create the book Women in the Horror Films of Vincent Price from McFarlane back in 2010. So we're going to talk with Jonathan a little bit, introduce him to you boys and girls in Monster Kid Radio Land, talk a little bit about what got him to where he is today in terms of his fandom and how he first discovered these movies, that sort of thing. That's happening in this episode. Also, I'm announcing the first Monster Kid Radio crash of 2015. You're going to hear about it in a little bit, but for those of you who don't know, I'm Monster Kid Radio Crash is where in person, in my area, if there is a movie playing that's relevant to Monster Kid Radio, we organize a get-together. I put together a little Facebook event. We all go to the movie together, meet up. I bring my recorder. I record at the show. I put it on the podcast. And that's happening, well, tomorrow night. So if you're in the Portland, Oregon area... And you don't have anything to do at 9.30 p.m. February 25th? Well, stay tuned because you're going to hear about the first Monster Kid Radio Crash of 2015 here in a little bit. Now, that's all happening after I tell you about our website. Like I said, it's monsterkidradio.net. This is where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio. Between episodes, there are links to all sorts of great stuff here on our website, like our Amazon store, where you can go to Amazon and buy books, DVDs, movies, music, that sort of thing. In fact, if you go to the Amazon store, click on the books reference section, you're going to find Jonathan's book there in the mix. So you can pick that book up. Get an excellent book for your collection at home, and you get us a couple of bucks. It's probably just a couple of pennies because we're an Amazon affiliate. We also have links to things like our Live 365 Internet Radio Station. This is an Internet Radio Station ad-supported, so you're going to get some ads, but primarily you're going to get music from classic monster movies. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I listen to all day long on my iPod, and I wanted to share it with you guys and gals by creating this Live 365 internet radio station. Now, we also have a Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and support the show that way. We have a link to our Facebook group where people are having conversations between episodes, and for all I know, conversations while they're listening to an episode So if you want to join the group and get involved in the conversations that we have over there, well, that's how you do it. There's a poll up there right now. I'd like to start doing more polls in 2015. Right now, the poll is, what's your favorite public domain monster slash horror movie? And 
been an interesting conversation that's generated out of that. So if you are a Facebook user and you want to join the group, that's how you do it. You know, if you are on Facebook and you haven't liked the Monster Kid Radio page yet, we'd like to ask you to do that as well. I originally had a goal of maybe getting 500 likes by the end of February. Well, it's February 24th, only four days left. I don't know if we're going to hit the 500 mark as of this recording. We have 487 likes. If we can get to 500, well... Like I said, I think Mark Zuckerberg gets us a clock or sends me a hand towel or something. Anyway, we'd love to get 500 likes. So if you're a Facebook user, please consider liking us on Facebook. Our contact information is on our website as well. And I'll go over that at the end of the show. Why don't we go ahead and get to the first part of our conversation with author Jonathan Malcolm Lampley right after this. This is the sound of a human heartbeat. But this heartbeat is different because this heart is beating outside the body. Vincent Price saw to that. Vincent Price has long been a master of mayhem, but in Theatre of Blood, he outdoes himself at doing people in. Theatre of Blood, from United Artists, rated R, under 17, not admitted without a parent. Come closer. Closer. That's right. I'm Vincent Price. You'll be just as safe in this house of fear as any of the other five victims murdered by the bat. In all of the annals of mystery, there's never been a more elusive, fearsome, and cunning killer. He'll lure you through hidden passages to make you his next victim. But nobody lives forever, so why be afraid of the bat? How long has he been dead? Oh, I'd say about a half an hour. Do you believe it was the bat? That's a bat's trademark. Perhaps he's still in the house. That's possible. It says here that the bat never leaves no fingerprints. That's understandable. Having no face, he probably has no fingers either. This is the start of Black Sunday. Black Sunday comes but once every hundred years. On that day, the undead demons of hell rise to unleash an orgy of evil on the world. 
from Nikolaj Gogol's great classic American International Pictures presents Like Sunday, the most frightening motion picture you have ever seen. She was murdered 500 years ago. There in the barren waste that was her cemetery, they nailed the mask of Satan to her face. Not since Dracula stalked the earth has there been such an unspeakable day and night as Black Sunday. I'd like to welcome to the show an author and somebody who happens to be a mutual friend of somebody who's been on the show in the past. Uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit, I'm sure. But this is the man behind the book, Women in the Horror Films of Vincent Price. I'd like to welcome to Monster Kid Radio, Jonathan Malcolm Lampley. How's it going, sir? Oh, just fine, just fine. Thanks for having me on, Barry. Thanks for making the time to do this. Uh, this is a really exciting book for me. It was something that my wife got me for Christmas, and I've gone through it. I read it once through, and then I've gone through and browse through it a couple more times in preparation for our chat today. This is not the only book that you've written. Though. Before we dive into this, I want to give you an opportunity to promote the other book that you've done. There's a, a horror trivia book. There's also the amazing colossal book of horror trivia, which I collaborated on with Ken Beck and Jim Clark. That came out a few years ago, but I think it's still available. I think it's still in print, possibly. Uh, I haven't gotten a royalty check lately, so maybe not. Uh-oh. <laughs> but uh, it seems like I've seen it on Amazon and certainly through the used market. Somebody sent me a thing saying that somebody was selling a used copy for 100 bucks. Oh, wow. I don't think he sold it for that. But if he did, good luck and sent me a royalty. <laughs> and I'm also co-editor with my Dalton State colleague, Chris Barton of another McFarland book called Fan Culture. Oh. And that is a collection of essays on participatory fandom in the 21st century. There's uh, quite a bit of horror and science fiction-related stuff in that one, but also things like uh, Lego fandom and the TV series Chuck, which has some sci-fi elements in it, and things like that. Of course, that one and the Vincent Price book are available through McFarland or Amazon or the usual outlets. Uh, I just did a quick scan, and yeah, it looks like the, the trivia book is still available, at least through Amazon. I am interested in this oh. fan culture book. I'll have to check that out. I wasn't aware of that one, so I'm going to track that one down. But of course, today we're talking about the women in the horror films and Vincent Price, and a little bit about your fandom and, and how you came to be the guy to write this book. We were talking before we started recording about there was a, a TV channel that showed up in your neck of the woods when you were growing up that showed all the monster movies and the horror movies. Have you been a lifelong fan of this kind of film? Absolutely. Most of my life. I remember clearly when it started in 1975, my parents bought me a book called Movie Monsters by Thomas G. Ailes. In the 70s, he was a guy who put out a lot of books aimed at kids mostly about scientific subjects, but sometimes science fiction and fantasy and horror would be his domain. And he, he had two books, Monsters from the Movies and then Movie Monsters. Okay. Not a big difference in title there, is it? <laughs> uh, but that's okay, because they're basically the same book. But anyway, I got a copy of Movie Monsters when I was eight years old. Like so many other little kids, 
I was very much into dinosaurs, and I was into comic books and things like that, but I was not into horror films. I was scared of Dracula and Frankenstein and so forth. Okay. But buying that book, because it had chapters on King Kong and Godzilla, which I adored, I learned more about the historical and literary antecedents of Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman. It was just sort of a, a watershed moment for me because suddenly I became interested in horror films of all kinds. Well, back in those pre-DVD, pre-streaming video days, TV stations would still show the late-night horror movie or the, the Saturday morning horror movie. And so I started watching the old films. I started getting more books. That was one other good thing about my youth in the 70s. There were so many wonderful picture books that came out about horror films, things like Dennis Gifford's A Pictorial History of Horror Films, mm -hmm. and Carlos Clarence's books, William K. Everson. Most of those are no longer in print, but uh, people can find them on eBay or whatnot, usually very uh, inexpensively, and they were a wonderful introduction to horror and science fiction. And of course, ultimately, that led me into an interest in film in general, and other genres, that sort of thing. But ultimately, the horror film remains my true love, even after uh, 40 years now. So, wow. I just realized, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I mentioned at the very beginning of this that you are friends with somebody who's been on the show quite a bit, and that would be Larry Underwood, the horror host, Dr. Gene Green. He went into horror hosting, and he's done a little bit of writing himself to celebrate and continue his fandom of the classic monster movies and sci-fi films. You went a slightly different route. You became a writer. You're an instructor now at a college. That's right, Dalton State College in Dalton, Georgia. So slightly different route, but I mean, you've got some an excellent book here that I really enjoy. Uh, the, like I said, it's The Women in the Horror Films of Vincent Price. I'm assuming you've got a, a lot of appreciation for the works of Vincent Price in general anyway. You've mentioned the gothic horrors, and of course we can't think of Vincent Price without thinking of the Edgar Allan Poe films that he did with Corman, that sort of thing. Do you remember the first Vincent Price movie you saw? Well, that's a very good question. I have such specific memories of what caused me to become a horror fan, but for Vincent Price, it's a little bit harder to say. I knew who he was even before the Moving Monsters book. Mm, okay. Uh, because he was such a ubiquitous presence on TV, and while I don't think I'd seen one of his movies before I read the book, I knew who he was. I just sort of absorbed it through the, the media. But I uh, had not seen any of his horror films at that point. Probably the first Vincent Price movie I saw, although I'm not 100% certain, would have been Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, where uh -huh. he made his little vocal cameo as the Invisible Man at the end. Mm -hmm. But very quickly, I started seeking out, uh, especially films that featured the great horror stars, uh, Vincent Price and Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and that bunch. I do know that uh, within a couple of years, before the 70s were over, I had seen things like The Abominable Dr. Fives and Theater of Blood and some of the Poe films. And of course, those are my favorites now. I was also very lucky in about 1979, I think it was, 1980, 
to see Vincent Price live on stage in his play Diversions and Delights. Wow. That was the one-man show he toured in in the late 70s and early 80s, which was probably his greatest creative triumph in his later years. And he did come to Nashville to do the play, and I did get to see him. Unfortunately, I never met Price. And decades later, I learned that after the show, he came back on stage and did a, a, a Q&A with the audience. But I had no idea he was going to do that. Keep in mind, I was about 12 years old at this point, so my mother and I just left. Oh, <laughs> that no. That was a bummer to find out 20, 30 years later. But I was always seeking out his films. Of course, uh, I was thrilled, pun intended, when he did the Thriller song with Michael Jackson. <laughs> of course, before that, he had done several things with Alice Cooper, mm -hmm. including the narration for the song The Black Widow on Welcome to My Nightmare. Mm -hmm. And of course, he was Egghead on the old Batman TV show with Adam West. <laughs> he did a lot. You mentioned he was in the media, and he, he really was. He did a lot of television, the music, the theater, the stage, the film. He was all over the place. I mean, he just seemed like a guy who really enjoyed working and being creative and doing a, a wide variety of genres and subject matter. So the subject of the book, women in the horror films of Vincent Price, I think a lot of times when you think about, even in modern horror these days, a lot of people, the outsiders, the people who aren't into it the way that we are, kind of view it as a male-dominated genre, which isn't really fair, because I think there are a lot of women working in the genre, in the industry, that don't necessarily get the credit they deserve. It's getting better, but I look back at some of the more classic films, and I feel like we don't celebrate people like Evelyn Anchors, Barbara Steele, people like this who were involved in these genre films the way that we do the Karloffs, the Prices, the Lorries, and that sort of thing. What prompted you to write this particular book? A couple of factors. The most important was the book is a revision and expansion of my doctoral dissertation. Right, okay. I wrote about women in the Edgar Allan Poe series for my dissertation at Middle Tennessee State University. And I'd always wanted a book published by McFarland, uh, who do so many wonderful books about oh, yeah in popular culture and, and often fairly obscure figures in popular culture. And so I approached them and they said, well, it's a little short. You've got to expand it. So I said, well, we've already got the Edgar Allan Poe films. Let's add the other horror films. So my primary inspiration, again, was just trying to get a book out there as quickly as I could. Of course, it took about three years after I completed my dissertation before the book ever saw the light of day. <laughs> so what I thought was going to be a quick revision was not quick. But, you know, I also knew that there had not been an academic study of Vincent Price's work, and it had been a few years since there had been a full-length book about him, and certainly nothing that concentrated on one thing. And, of course, the role of women in films and popular culture is uh, uh, very relevant these days. Certainly something that there's a lot of interest in from an academic standpoint and, and popular standpoint. And so I went in that direction. What was the initial reaction to the book when it first was released? It's been a couple of years now. Was it 2011? The official copyright is uh, 2011, which is highly appropriate because it's Vincent Price's birthday. <laughs> nice. But of course, uh, 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 the centennial of his birth, it's... 
gotten a lot of good reviews. I haven't come across a bad one yet. People have been very complimentary. My thanks to your wife for buying it for you for Christmas. <laughs> I'll pass that along. But uh, so far, the uh, reaction has been good. What I have tried to do, the book does have an academic bent. But what I have tried to do with this and all my writing, really, is to hit a happy medium between so-called academic writing and popular writing. If you read a lot of papers and books and whatnot by professors, even those of us who research and write about popular culture, there is a tendency to develop a very dry, off-putting prose style, Mm -hmm. especially when you get into literary theory to, to become kind of esoteric. And this is done deliberately to make academic writing in the liberal arts sound like academic writing in the hard science, but that would be off-putting to a general audience. My goal has always been to have a a reasonably solid academic base and to apply a certain amount of theory, but also uh, hopefully to write in a readable style that would be interesting to general audiences. McFarland is... I don't want to use words like scholarly or overly academic because I don't know if that's necessarily the most uh, – I feel like that might be a little misleading. It is a little – again, here's another word that might not work – headier than a lot of the more uh, nonfiction books you'd find at your local bookstore, that sort of thing. I don't think this book suffers from that. I found it to be a pretty quick and easy read, but the depth of information in here is solid. And I did come away from it learning a few things that I didn't know before, and I'd like to think that I know a lot about these movies. So it's not a dry read. <laughs> I'm really glad it worked for you. Obviously, McFarland likes to have people with academic credentials, but sure. they have published a lot of books, some of which I have from people who are just rabid fans of their subject. And of course, as you well know, sometimes the fans know more than the experts about not just horror films or whatever, but I'm sure anything. Sure. There are those of us who just want to know everything about our hobby. And McFarlane has published some books by these kinds of people. And they're very good. They're the go-to source. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, the way you've structured this book, this is broken down kind of chronologically, it looks like, the way you went through the films. You didn't start with the very beginning of Vincent Price's career because he didn't really start in the horror movies. You started with movies like Shock, which is actually one of my favorite Vincent Price films, and got all the way up through Madhouse, and then there's a few mentions of some of the other AIP work that he had done. So it's a chronological collection of the films, and each section it's called the women in the horror films of Vincent Price, but you don't just focus on the women that are in the movie. I mean, that's a big part of it. But there's also talk of gender roles and that sort of thing in the movie, which is very interesting to me because when you look at people like Vincent Price or just listen to his voice, man, there's so much going on with each performance and each character that he does that could go either way in terms of the gender role that's being portrayed or or performed on screen. Does that make sense? Am I picking up on that correctly from your book? Well, yes. Yeah, I did decide to focus on the films that he starred in Mm -hmm. from the highlights of his career. Sure. After Madhouse, he took about a five-year break from appearing in any feature films. He did some TV and narrated some movie documentaries and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. 
But when he came back, it was rarely in starring roles in films. It was usually in supporting roles. And I just decided to concentrate on the years when he was sort of a Walt Disney of horror films and, and spooky <laughs> stuff in American culture. I love that. The Walt Disney of horror films. I love it. <laughs> That's who he kind of was. And, uh, and again, I left out his early films before his persona had been formed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, for example, say he was a guy who did a lot of things, and then he did House of Wax, and after that he was a horror star. Well, if you look at his filmography, you see that he really doesn't become Mr. Horror until about 1960. Mm-hmm. You know, his highest profile non-horror role came in 1956 with The Ten Commandments, and he made a lot of other movies that were not horror films. Mm-hmm. But what you see, if you if you look at his movies, both genre and non-genre, you see this slow development of the persona, and it really kicks in with the Poe films, beginning with House of Usher in 1960. So yes, I, I tried to have this central theme around which the book was organized, women, gender roles, sexuality, whatnot, but also try to touch on some other elements of what the price persona represented. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that approach succeeded. It succeeded with you, at least. So. Oh, yeah, sure. I was a little surprised, actually, because I figured... I went into the book assuming that it was going to be, well, it was surprised was in the movie with this actress, and this is who this person was, and it's a lot more deep than that, which I appreciated. Well, good, I'm glad. But But there is a lot of that as well, where you do celebrate the women that he was on screen with, and I think... If you really look at the movies, the movies where Vincent Price really shines is when he's acting with other strong performers. And I don't think it's any mistake that the cover image of your book is. is that That is Barbara Steele, right? That is. Yeah. Uh, Vincent and Barbara Steele in The Pit and the Pendulum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, McFarland shows that illustration. I think it, it captures the passion, the sexuality, the hint of eroticism. Mm-hmm but also the horror and the violence and the tension, which is in that film. Sure. We have to be very careful. Uh, Academics are often accused of seeing things that aren't really there. (laughs) I've tried to avoid that in the film or in the book when I'm discussing that film and the others. I definitely think there are hints of transgression. The writers and directors and performers tried to get in the films obviously limited by the censorship standards and the standards of good taste at the time. Sure. There's a little more going on than just the the murders and torture and the more obvious horrific elements. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of that is intentional. A lot of it is perhaps not intentional, but it's there. And so I tried to draw from the text and the subtext as much as possible. And I hope I pulled that off. Yeah, I definitely think so. And if I can just go kind of on a tangent here, every time I see The Pit and the Pendulum or read something about The Pit and the Pendulum, I'm always surprised because the first time I saw that movie, it was shown to me by by a high school English teacher who (laughs) we were talking about Edgar Allan Poe, did a whole section on that, and brought in the pit and the pendulum for us to watch and at the time it's just like oh it's cool it's a horror movie it's the price but when you really look at it there's a lot of things happening kind of underneath the surface and the way they interact with each other i mean the illustration on the the picture on the cover of the book i think really highlights 
some of the non-high school friendly elements that I don't know my high school teacher knew was really in the movie when she decided to show it to us. So I always kind of chuckle a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there that one especially has some interesting things yeah. going on. <laughs> you know, it, it is a very sexual film in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Of course, the, the pit and the pendulum itself is a pretty Freudian title, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but even beyond that, there's something really odd in the relationship between Vincent Price's character and Barbara Steele's character. And of course, she was the top screen queen of the 60s. This is one of the films that put her on the map, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Of course, she'd already done uh, things like Black Sunday, which is probably her best-remembered role. Barbara Steele certainly brought a strongly erotic element to the horror film she made. And I have no doubt that director Roger Corman and the producers at AIP picked up on this when they cast her for Pit. Sure. And, and it's there. And, of course, they, they, they can't have a lot of blatant dialogue or sex scenes or whatnot mm-hmm. because uh, of the standards of the day. And also, they knew that these films are aimed primarily at young audiences. And I'm sure they didn't want a lot of parents sending letters and calling them on the phone saying, what the hell are you doing to our kids? <laughs> but but it's there. Sure. And it's something that makes the film, to me, that much more enjoyable. Of course, the film could be made today, and these elements would be a lot more blatant, but I don't know if they would be as effective. You know? It, it just works yeah. so much better when it's subtle. I agree. There's something about when... Subtlety is used, it kind of activates a different part of your brain as you're digesting this media and, and absorbing this content, as opposed to having it just kind of flashed on the screen and in your face. And, and while I'm sure there might be a place for that and people, people might enjoy it, you don't get the same kind of heebie-jeebies from it. Absolutely. There, there are many films that have much more explicit sex and violence in them. Uh, and some of these are very good. But one of the things that has always been fascinating about older films, and especially older horror films, is what has to be suggested because of censorship and so forth. And it leads it to the imagination, and it stimulates the imagination in a way that if things are just spelled out, you know, it's just not going to work. Right. Uh, I think the pit and the pendulum does this marvelously, so too uh, some of the other films, including House of Usher. We switch you to the state capitol, where His Excellency, the Governor, is speaking from the Executive Mansion. Further, I have, in conjunction with the federal government, declared this state to be a disaster area. to keep you here until they come to kill me vampires alive among the lifeless that make the night hideous with their inhuman cravings if they are not destroyed in the flaming pits of hellfire 
or stick to the ground in the light of the sun? Will the unbelievable become real? A world of inanimate zombies by day, irresistible, horrifying attackers by night. Can a zombie woman's hunger for love repopulate the earth? That's the trailer for the movie The Last Man on Earth, starring Vincent Price, and I'm playing it because it's the movie that is going to be the subject of the first Monster Kid Radio crash of 2015. A Monster Kid Radio crash is where you know, people in my area get together and all watch a movie together. And I typically bring my portable recorder with me, and I record before and after the show with anybody who cares to be on the podcast. And Wednesday night, February 25th, at the Joy Cinema in Tigard, Oregon, as part of the Weird Wednesday series, The Last Man on Earth is playing. Now, it has been years since I've seen this thing, and I don't think I've even seen the entire film. So I'm excited to sit down and watch this start to finish uninterrupted and actually get through the entire thing in one viewing. And I hope if you're in the area, you can join me. You can find out more about the Joy Cinema over at thejoycinema.com or look them up on Facebook. Now, if you are a Facebook user, I have created an event for this crash so just look up monster kid radio crashes the last man on earth or if you're a member of the facebook group or follow us on facebook you've seen it over there as well i would love to meet you there i'm going to be the big guy with a portable recorder a big grin and wearing a special monster kid radio shirt I'm hard to miss. I don't necessarily blend in. I'd love to meet you. You know, if you've gone to one of these crashes at the Joy before, I look forward to catching up with you again. And any of you, I'd be happy to get you on the show. Again, this is Wednesday, February 25th at 9.30 p.m. as part of the Weird Wednesday series at the Joy Cinema. For Weird Wednesday, there's no admission. They do ask you to buy some concessions because that's how they stay afloat. Because they serve alcohol, it is a 21 and over only event. And it kind of helps if you're a monster kid. So I'll see you there Wednesday, the 25th. Big thanks to Jonathan. I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to make this happen. And, you know, just between you and me, listener, we had a slight glitch, a little snafu when it came to recording with Jonathan. I called about an hour too early the first time around, so we had to reschedule. Jonathan was incredibly gracious and generous with his time to make this happen. We're going to have more Jonathan here in a couple of days on episode 180 of Monster Kid Radio. So stick around. Come back for that. Also, you heard about the Monster Kid Radio crash. If you're in the area, I would love to meet you. I know there are some regulars that tend to go to the Joy Cinema for these things. I would love to catch back up with you guys, see how things are going for you in 2015. And if you're you know, new to the area or this will be your first time crash, please do not hesitate to introduce yourself. Just because I have a microphone on me doesn't mean I'm going to make you appear on the show. But if you want to be on the show, I'd love to have you. All right, our contact information. I said I'd mention this again at the end of the episode. We have an email address, monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You can email me a text email or attach a wave or MP3 file if you want to do some audio feedback. We also have a voicemail line. This is a Google voicemail line. So there's a three-minute limit here, but you can call us at 503-479-5MKR. That's 503-479-5657. I stress this because... The next episode of Monster Kid Radio, well, it's the last episode of February. February is Women in Horror Month, and I've been putting the call out to people to call in and let me know who your favorite 
woman in classic horror is in front of or behind the camera. It doesn't matter. We want to include your voice on the next episode of Monster Kid Radio that I suspect will probably be a little bit longer than the normal half hour-ish that I've been aiming for because I'd love to include your contribution. So if you want to hear your voice on the show and share your favorites, well, you know how to get a hold of us. Like I said, in a couple of days is when that next episode drops. So we're going to be back here with your picks for favorite women in classic horror, more Jonathan Lampley, and another song from the Cronchong Devils. In the meantime, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Beat Girl. That belongs to the Cronchong Devils. It's on their album Surf and Sounds of the Cronchong Devils. Find them on Facebook or on their Bandcamp page and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Talk to everybody in a couple of days. (laughs) 